of Grizzled. I'm your host Gus Purdy. This is episode three. It's a mobile podcast. I know I've already said that. So right away we're starting with some redundancy. But I'm coming to you live from eHonda in the middle of a shift. And this episode is going to be a review of the movie Guardians of the Galaxy, directed by James Gunn. I recently went out to California and while I was out there I went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy with some friends. And I absolutely loved it. It was one of the best movies that I've seen in a long time. Now, I don't go to the movies very often. My wife and I don't get out uh, to the movies very much. I think probably the last movie that she and I saw together in the theaters uh, was Lincoln. And that was about two Christmases ago. Great movie. But uh, we, got, we got little ones at home. Little, not, not like, I'll specify, we have little small children at home. So we, we don't get out a lot, right? Uh, we do, we watch a lot of shows, a lot of movies at home, right? But I don't get, don't get out to the theater. Uh, so, but Guardians of the Galaxy is a movie that I've been really excited about for a while. Now I'll say right off the bat, I enjoy comic books uh, and I like comic book movies. I don't know a whole lot about them. And I specifically don't know a lot about Guardians of the Galaxy because I think it's one of Marvel's more obscure titles. And um, and I think this is this is a result of they they've done what they can so far with Iron Man, Captain America, Thor. Then they've kind of done the Avengers. Um, I know there's talks about Ant Man, but uh, they the, you know the the wells kind of running dry on their big names, so they're going to more obscure. And then maybe and I know myself, I wondered, oh, why don't they just make uh, you know, why don't they just do some more X-Men flicks, maybe branch off of those? Uh, but but my friend, who he was explaining to me, they don't have the rights to the X-Men franchise. They don't have rights to Spider-Man. Those are, those are owned by different studios. So no luck there. So I think they're, they're, they're starting to branch off. I had nothing but high expectations for this movie, and, and I was not disappointed. Let me... I'll start right... And there was nothing about this movie that I didn't like, but I'll start right away with the soundtrack. I think I'm going to have to pick up the soundtrack. Uh, I think it's called Awesome Mix Volume 1, uh, which is... It's, it's in the movie, and uh, the character of Peter Quell, played by Chris Pratt, uh, it's a gift that he receives from his mom the very, very, very beginning, the cold open uh, of the movie. And I like it that the movie starts with a cold open. But she gives him this cassette, and he plays it, uh, and then he gets abducted by aliens. No spoilers there. Again, right at the beginning. Okay, how else would an Earth guy get into outer space? He's going to get abducted. Okay. Uh, but he's, he's tricked out his ship, uh, which he calls the Milano, uh, after Alyssa Milano. Tons of 80s references in this movie, but I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting off track here. Uh, he's, got, he's got a cassette 
player tricked out in his in his ship, and he plays the tape nonstop. He's also got it hooked up so in his Walkman. Now the soundtrack is '70s heavy. Lot of lot of classic hits from the '70s. Uh, so much so that people think that maybe they're ripping off Tarantino uh, with his use of songs from the '70s. I don't think so. I think just because the guy, because Tarantino used some some stuff from the '70s, doesn't give him, you know, run of the show there. Um, and I think the main reason why people are thinking this is because both soundtracks include Blue Swedes "Hooked on a Feeling," is a great song. I don't think people are sick of it yet. Um, so that that was a song I was most familiar with. It's also got uh, "Spirit in the Sky" by Norman Greenbaum. Uh, it's got Cherry Bomb by The Runaways, which I didn't really know about them too much until I saw uh, the bio biopic of of The Runaways had um, had what's her name? No, I don't know. Dakota Fanning as a lead singer. You got that uh, Kristen Stewart. I'm always frowning playing Joan Jett. But anyway, the song Cherry Bomb uh, is in there, and then a slew of other other great tunes. Um, but my favorite, and one that I wasn't too familiar with, is the song Come and Get Your Love by a band called Redbone. Um, it op it's, it's part of the cold open, all right? And here, here's the beginning of the movie. So again, there's no spoilers here, all right? The very beginning. Uh, after he's abducted, all right, kind of flashes forward, and it has this great Indiana Jones nod in it, right, so Peter Quell, aka Star-Lord, lands on this planet, and he's kind of like scoping it out, and following the path, kind of like Indiana Jones did uh, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, when he's entering the temple, and once he gets inside the temple, uh, he, he kind of removes his mask, and you get your first glimpse at Chris Pratt, and he puts on... Uh, he puts on this headphones and cues up this song, Come and Get Your Love by Redbone, and he's kind of lip-syncing along with it, so that's playing in the cold open, and he's kind of like making his way through this cave, uh, uh, very comically, very badass at the same time, and, uh, and that's where you get the title, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, so again, soundtrack, and I, I love when directors do a great job of using music to help push the story forward. Um, it kind of sucks when there's just like, like songs have been chosen arbitrarily because it's a it's a popular song. So they like you know is that studio in cahoots with a different studio and they want to make you know they want to push that song so it gets on the soundtrack and then push 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 <clears throat> like when uh, Spider Man Two came out and that. Uh, I don't even, I can't even remember what band it was. Uh, it's a it was another band that sounded like Creed, basically. Um, uh, it was the guy, God, now I can't remember his name. It's the kind of, like, heavier set guy with long hair, and he's got, like, the little, uh, the, like, soul patch piercing. Anyway, to me, other than it be a song being about a hero, it didn't really it didn't really help push the story forward, but it just seemed like more about marketing. That to me, the soundtrack's not about. Although the soundtrack does a great job of marketing Guardians of the Galaxy, but I don't think that was the point. I think the, the songs were chosen very carefully. All right, I'll stop gushing about the soundtrack, uh, but go but go check check that out. 
Um, now, the reason why I love this does not miss a beat, okay? It does not miss one beat. It stays on course the whole time. <clears throat> and that's, that's tough in comic book movies because in comic book movies, there tend to be some flat moments. Uh, you know, sometimes they blow things a little too quickly, and so there's these kind of uh, periods of stagnation in the middle um, that kind of just, you're like, okay, I'm not really interested in this. I didn't feel that way with Guardians of the Galaxy. I was hooked the whole time. Um, I, I initially, I read, a, I read an NPR review of the film, and the reviewer said that what makes Guardians of the Galaxy work so well is that rather than being an action movie that has humorous parts, it's more of a comedy that has action kind of built into it. And and I'm really, I really would have to agree. It's a funny film through and through. There's there's a legitimate jokes in there. Not just like quippy kind of, you know, one-liners and smart-assery, although there is some smart-assery and one-liners going on in there, but there are, there are really decent jokes, and you could tell they wanted the movie to be funny. They wanted the audience to be laughing, and, um, which works with storytelling, all right? It's, uh, it, it helps to cut the tension, and it, and it heightens the tension for the other parts of the film. So it makes you laugh, all right? But it also serves to show you how serious some of the other stuff is there. There's multiple storylines going on in here, in this, but all the storylines are kind of converging on the main one, like you get to these Guardians of the Galaxy. And they're not a team right off the get-go, all right? They kind of have to form, they have to go through the, uh, each of them kind of has to go through their own dark period, their own abyss, where they're pushed to their limits, and it's only do they realize, okay, we got to kind of come together in order to make this work. So on the team, you got Chris Pratt, as I mentioned, uh, playing Peter Quell, aka Star-Lord. Now I'm more familiar with Chris Pratt from Parks and Rec. He plays Andy Dwyer, kind of the schlubby guy, and uh, but although he's not very schlubby in this movie, he's uh, he's pretty pretty cut. Um, and uh, which is kind of a disappointment because as a schlubby guy, you kind of hope that uh, one day there'd be a, a, a you know crime fighter or a, you know a superhero who's kind of schlubby. Uh, but you know what, what are you gonna do? I guess when you're when you're looking at fantasy or sci-fi, okay, that's not what you want to picture. You want to picture this uh, this action dude. Now, Peter Quell, again, very much in the vein of Indiana Jones. He's kind of like uh, bragger, loudmouth. Um, kind of insensitive, kind of looks out for himself. Um, but again, we have the natural transformation. Um, and obviously he's kind of the, uh, the pivotal role. You know, he's the main protagonist. Um, then you have uh, Zoe Saldana, and she... I'm not too familiar with her work, and if I had done my homework here, I maybe would have looked up uh, some of her, some of her stuff on IMDb. She does a great job in the movie, though. Um, she plays the daughter, well, she's not really the, uh, I won't spoil that, but there, there's, Than Thanos makes an appearance in Guardians of the Galaxy, which I know comic book nerds are really pumped about, but she's related to him, but she kind of has her own agenda going on, and that's what puts her into contact with the Guardians. Although, again, they're not Guardians from the outset. Uh, you got, 
uh, Drax, who's played by uh, Bautista, who was a professional wrestler. He does a great job in here. Um, obviously, he fits the role, and he's kind of just this ultimate warrior, although not in the sense of, uh, like, the WWF ultimate warrior, um, but more like just, like, he's a renowned ass-kicker. And... His, com- his comedy in it is fantastic because his character, they take everything literally. Again, not spoiling, these things have been in the trailers, but his race of aliens, they take everything literally. There's no metaphor, there's no figurative language, right? So, uh, Peter Quell makes... Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Um, Rocket Raccoon makes the point, and he says, like, oh, you don't want to use metaphors around him, they'll just go right over his head. To which Drax responds, nothing can fly over my head, my reflexes are too quick. And the timing on that is perfect. My timing on this right here was shitty, but it was it was great in the movie. Now, Rocket Raccoon and Groot, they are paired together, and they're kind of bounty hunters. Rocket Raccoon is voiced by Bradley Cooper, who does an amazing job. I, I, I couldn't... You can't even really tell that it's Bradley Cooper. And Groot, who is... Uh, he's like this tree guy, um, like the Ents from Lord of the Rings, but not lame. Um... He's voiced by IMD, uh, IMD. He is voiced by Vin Diesel, and his only lines of dialogue is he says, I am Groot. Uh, but the tone and inflection that he places on that conveys a different meaning, uh, only what can be, it can only be translated by Rocket Raccoon. Now, I was hooked initially with this movie as well, because I'm a sucker for anthropomorphic uh, animals, and I think this goes back to my Ninja Turtle days uh, when I was, a, when I was a, a young lad. I was obsessed with the Ninja Turtles, um, and then also became obsessed with uh, the Redwall novels by Brian Jakes uh, about the time I got to fifth grade. So anytime like animals can put on clothes and wield weapons and talk and all that kind of stuff, uh, I'm into that. I'm not into the whole furry movement. Uh, I don't want to put on. Uh, I don't want to dress up like an animal myself and engage in uh, certain activities with other people dressed as animals. Uh, I just think they're they're cool. Uh, the the not the furry people, but the uh, I mean everyone's entitled to their own whatever. But anthropomorphic animals, um, like the artwork of Ryan Berkeley, he paints these animals and they're always dressed in suits or different costumes of sorts. Um, and that's really cool. So, Rocket Raccoon, awesome, machine gun wielding, wisecracking uh, raccoon, uh, you know, as a result of genetic experimentation. Um, they all come together to take on this guy, Ronan, and I'm not sure who plays him, but he's the main villain of the story, although he's just kind of having his strings pulled um, by Thanos. And and he's trying to, like, there's there, politics come into it, he's trying to destroy this planet, and uh, they're trying to stop him. Um, you got some great cameos. Uh, Benicio del Toro stars as the Collector, um, and he's the one who's kind of uh, uh, he's 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 into this artifact that each of the various Guardians are trying to get. Um, and you also have John C. Riley as kind of this cop uh, who initially arrests the Guardians. He's got great jokes. It's always good to see John C. Riley in anything, anything. Um, and we also, uh, Michael Rooker, uh, who most recently, you know him from, uh, Walking Dead as Daryl's, uh, brother Merle, but he was also, uh, I know him originally from Mallrats as Mr. Svenning, 
Um, but he is also in, he played kind of the antagonist in Days of Thunder. But just a great, great actor, and he's got a big role in it. And I think he's probably going to be in subsequent films. Uh, I just I love this movie a lot. It doesn't miss a beat. It uh, filled me with childlike wonderment again, and I uh, can't say enough of good things. Uh, thanks for listening to this mobile episode of Grizzled, and I will check back in with you next time. I'm Gus Purdy. Thanks. Uh-huh.